Hello everybody and welcome to the Wheel Sports Podcast. This is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix review and of course this is live streaming on YouTube so there will be some interaction with the chat there to take questions and so on and just have a bit of banter about what happened uh, over the weekend. Um, for anyone who was looking for the Wheel Late Night Show last night, that will be out during the week, hopefully later tonight, but it could be later in the week because we're kind of editing that and deciding what we want to do with this week's version. We may just end up multiplying it all together into one epic uh, kind of shortened, but a lot of content condensed episode on Sunday. I have checked my zipper. Thank you very much, Saren in chat and welcome Hank as well. So if you're listening to this on audio, please do leave a five-star review because I've heard that that helps with it, listeners and so on. But with that being said, and all this here, uh, all this set here, that made a lot of sense. As you can tell, I'm very professional. Let's talk about this weekend's Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And the first thing I want to do is just find out what people rated it. So we got 700 views so far in the last couple of hours on our YouTube channel of you lovely people uh, reviewing the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And overwhelmingly... With 62%, it's gotten three stars. One star was 5%, two stars 17%, two stars for 5%, and 15% for four stars. So realistically, 93% of the views were between two and four stars. And FH Player says, I'd give it an eight out of 10. Um, and Crown, Vix, and V8 says, loved that Checo won. Um, and got his second pole position with a beautiful trophy and medal. So yeah, look, I think, to be honest, for me as a Checo fan, uh, especially after all my reverse jinxing, watching Checo win was lovely. Also, the fact that he was able to control the pace out the front and Max wasn't able to catch him, um, even though I think part of that was because Max obviously was having issues, I think is a good sign. My review of the race would probably agree with the mass here. I think realistically... It was a three out of 10. Um, I think more so as well because they're just, we didn't get a lead for, or we didn't get a fight for the lead, which I wasn't expecting anyway. Let's be honest. Red Bull at this stage in the season are the dominant, dominant team. Um, they've done incredible work on that car. And that's what happens one team when one team just, you know, goes all out and does it uh, for the win. Oh, gee, I don't know what's happening with my brain today, but... <laughs> but that is what it's like when one team just gets everything right. Um, I was hoping for a, a bit of a battle between Checo and Max, um, but, you know, it didn't happen. I think the reason I would say this was a three-star race for me was just that in Bahrain, even though Max and Checo kind of flew away from everyone, we got a lot of fights behind that, and we didn't get as much. It was very two-by-two two this weekend, um, but regardless, a decent race, um, and there was obviously the Alonso fight with um, Checo at the start, not that it was much of a fight, but him pulling out into the lead. So yeah, I don't think it was a terrible race, but not a banger either, and I think Jeddah is very much like Baku, it's very all or nothing in terms of you'll either get these crazy, chaotic races, or you're going to just get kind of a dull, boring race to the end, and that's kind of what we got this weekend. Um, but yeah, not not the worst one. Um, so welcome Soren, welcome Tom, welcome FH4, welcome Crown Vix and V8, welcome Hank to the chat. Um, you know, 
let's let's just chat about this race uh, for about an hour, as I said, and uh, and welcome, you know, all of your opinions. Ashwin, welcome as well, and Banyo, welcome well as well. So Hank says it was entertaining, not the best, but surely not the worst. I tend to agree with that. That's kind of where I'd put it as well. Ashwin, why is it that the FIA waited so long to give the penalty? Do you think there is a push from teams to check Aston Martin? Yeah, so let's kick off with this. And FH4, I will touch on the Red Bull domination line afterwards because that is an interesting one that I would like to point out because it's been brought up on Twitter. But let's, let's talk about the penalty for Alonso. So the sequence of events, for those of you who have perhaps missed the race but for some reason still tune into the podcast, love you all, um, is basically that Alonso was over to the left in his grid box. So he wasn't in his grid box completely. Funnily enough, there was a couple of drivers further back that weren't to the same extreme to the left, um, but were there thereabouts. I believe Ocon was roughly the same, right? But it's a strange one because you don't really gain an advantage from being over to the left, but I guess rules are rules. Anyway, regardless, he got a five-second penalty for that because it is a pretty slam dunk. If you're not in your grid box position, it's just where it is where it is. Uh, and then he came into the pits. Luckily for Alonso, was able to come in under the safety car to serve his penalty. Then he got a 10-second penalty for not serving the penalty correctly because the rear jackman connected the jack to the car. He didn't lift it, but he did connect the jack, which, uh, you know, in recent times has been akin to, you know, not serving it correctly before the five seconds is up. So the way that actually works for anyone interested is what that means is he gets a further five-second penalty for not serving a penalty correctly and the five seconds hasn't been served, so he has to serve that again, hence why it's 10 seconds. However, then after this happened, the problem with this was everything was fine and then we only heard about the 10 seconds at the end of the race. The reason for this was apparently Mercedes had kicked this up the line um, and that's why there was so much talk about it between George Russell and Mercedes. So apparently this had been back and forth. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, there was a ban a couple of years ago, uh, or I think it was twenty twenty after 2021, right? There was a ban on uh, the teams talking directly to, or not talking directly to the FIA, but reporting other teams over to the FIA because of, I imagine, the mess in 2021 and the pressure it puts on the race direction staff. So instead, what they do is just generally talk to their drivers about it. But it seems like it got kicked up the line one way or the other by Mercedes. Then after the race, he did get the 10-second penalty. We found this out straight after the podium because afterwards, basically, the race operations command looked at the videotapes again and said, yes, it was connected. Of course, then Aston Martin were able to go and lodge for an appeal. They were able to bring new evidence, which is the only way you can get appeal uh, granted properly. And this evidence was the fact that there were seven other situations where the exact same thing happened and no penalty was leveled. And on top of this, they say that there was no agreement and that the word working on the car in the regulation. So in the regulations, it says no work can be done on the car until after the five seconds has been served. They were saying touching the car does not equal working on it, which I think in terms of just pure grammatical English is a, a fair point. 
But in saying that, basically, their argument, you know, was that they didn't work on the car, just connecting it. They had seven other instances and so on. The argument then was obviously brought about on Twitter because of what happened with Ocon in Bahrain. But that was a situation where one of the team did actually work on the front wing. So that was unfortunate for them. But yeah, so the eventual outcome was that the uh, appeal worked and that the penalty was overturned and it was back again on the podium. So now George Russell will have to give Alonso back the trophy that Alonso gave to him. Either way, Alonso didn't seem to care, seemed happy enough that they were the second fastest car. But an absolute mess by the FIA. Um, Once again, um, it just seems like simple things are going wrong. And ironically, this is the whole point of this new remote operations command, the ROC that they have, which is supposed to be like an advanced kind of VAR system for Formula One. And, you know, fans, myself watching it, um, you know, as, as Hank is pointing out in chat, Sky Sports talked about it immediately. And yet this remote operations command didn't flag it immediately. They actually didn't flag it until the end of the race, 30 laps later. So it's just, it just seems like they just can't get simple things together. And it doesn't inspire much confidence in the FIA in terms of the race direction at the very least. So honestly, I, the problem for me is not in fact the stewards as such, it's more just the race direction. There's something not right with the race direction because obviously the race directors didn't spot it. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't think it was the stewards. The stewards did act fairly quickly once it was flagged to them. So obviously things have to be passed to the stewards. The race directors don't make the final decision. So yeah, strange one. FIA really, really need to sort this out. Race direction is a serious problem still. But yeah, what what a what a mess. Uh, jumping back into our chat, let's see. Uh, formation lap first half. What, formation lap says first half was good, ending sucked. Um, New Zealand has a hanky for McLaren says Soren. Um, another thing brought up by Chetan. Why was the safety car even deployed? It was a mega fault on the FIA um, when they could have used a BSC. I tend to agree. Uh, they said their GPS put the car on track. Honestly, my only opinion on that would be, according to the GPS, it said the car was on track. Now, there's the argument that, you know, they had about 300 cameras that look around the track that they could have easily seen and everyone visually saw as well that it was on track. My opinion would be they saw the car go off track on the cameras, but the GPS was showing the car on track. Perhaps... To give them the benefit of the doubt, which I don't, again, I don't like doing with the FIA, but to give them the benefit of the doubt, perhaps because there can be delays on camera feeds, if the GPS showed the car on track, they just immediately flagged the safety car to completely neutralize the race um, as a precaution. But yes, you are right. The VSC was there. Um, you know, it, sh- it should have, it should have just been a VSC. Um, but hey, it worked out for Alonso. So, uh, you know. Uh, an interesting one. Varun, welcome to the chat. Good evening to yourself. Um, Soren Ingram says, I don't understand how any person can see track limits as a driver from the seat. Yet, honestly, the, the grid grid position as well is very, very hard for them. Um, yeah, I, I guess they just have to give more space in terms of their track limits, but an interesting one. 
And Crown Vix and V8s, even though I love Checo, I voted for Alonso on the first race. That's fair. I'm, I'm massively on the Alonso hype train. Now, FM4 player brings up an interesting one, and we do need to talk about Red Bull. So let's talk about Red Bull. FH4 player says, I don't get why people are complaining about Red Bull's domination, even though Mercedes dominated for seven years. So, one of the things I'd say about that, first of all, and I am going to nitpick one thing, just because, why not? I will say that I don't think they dominated for seven years. Just the point that 14, 15, 16, they absolutely dominated. 17, 18, they were the fastest car, but Ferrari would have been able to fight for a championship if Ferrari weren't Ferrari and Vettel made some mistakes and so on. So I would say it wasn't domination for seven years. It was domination for four, probably five, because they didn't dominate in 2021. 2020, they definitely dominated. And 2019, they dominated for half of the season, not all of it. That's just nitpicking. The point still stands. Just nitpicking for argument's sake, because otherwise there will be someone in the chat who brings it up. So I just wanted to make sure that I get that in there. As for the complaints, you're right. Um, you know, this is just the way it is, though. People will always complain. People complained when Vettel was dominating. They'll complain when Schumacher was dominating, I'm sure, which was, you know, uh, I started watching in 04, and I remember people dominating about um, 04 as well. I think it's just always the case. And look, at the end of the day, the problem is we don't want to see anyone dominating. I do agree that the problem with these arguments a lot of the times is... There are a lot of people who complain about Red Bull dominating that won't complain about Mercedes dominating and vice versa. Uh, you know, I think, look, at the end of the day, this is a, a blessing and a curse of F1, right? Um, sorry, Wimbo, by the way, who just joined the chat. I did start without you. I'm really sorry, but I did schedule for half. But anyway, um, FH4, that makes sense. Yeah, like, like I said, I just don't think it was domination for seven years. But that is just me wheel nuts. That is just me being pedantic, just to point out. Um, it's a pointless statement, but I just know someone will bring it up, so I thought it best to to point it out. But um, yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, this is the blessing and the curse of F1, right? Because the only other option, apart from what they're doing already with bringing in the aero testing restrictions, bringing in the cost cap, bringing in simplified regulations. The only step further you could take is to make it a spec series. And that would ruin F1. F1 is about the engineering. It's about, you know, it's about the engineering. It's about these teams building cars. And unfortunately, that just means that the fastest car will win. And that's a blessing and a curse. We love Formula One because of that. And I think if it became a spec series, a lot of us wouldn't watch it as intently as we do because that is, there, there's enough spec series out there. So I think it's something you have to take and leave. The other thing to remember is we always get a dominant team at the start of a regulation set. And on top of that, I don't think we'll get as dominate as dominant a team spread in 2026 because we're still seeing a hangover of teams like Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes having spent hundreds of millions a year and making such a big lead. So they have the best engineers. They have the best facilities. They have the best understanding of everything. Um, we're going to see a hangover for that. And also remember that the work on these cars started before the cost cap came into effect. You know, like um, the work on these cars started in 2020 because originally 
these cars were for the 2021 season. So I think realistically, you know, there's the argument one way or the other, but for me, it's, we could, the only thing they could do further is either wait for these to converge, which they will. We've seen that in every single regulation, the convergence happens. It should happen faster this time, like I said, because of the cost cap, the aero cap. Look how quickly Aston have jumped through the field. That's promising. And the only other option really is a spec series. And like, as you know, um, and you could probably see if I was to do this and just pop on this nice overlay, you can follow Wheel Sports Feeder and we'll, you know, the feeder series are spec series. And that gives us fantastic racing, F2 and F3. A lot of these series, you know, give us really good driver racings. But F1 is unique in the fact that the cars are different. And I think by removing that, you kind of ruin the uniqueness of it. In saying that, I think, I don't think Red Bull's going to be dominant all season. I think the ATR will hit them. Unfortunately, I think it'll be too late to give us a title fight, realistically, unless Checo is able to continue this. But yeah, that, that's my opinion on that anyway, F, F4. I hope, that, uh, I hope that sums up my opinion. Um, let's see, what else is... The drivers complained about the domination of other teams as well. Hamilton about Vettel, Horner about Hamilton, Hamilton about RBR, says Road Jung. Um, I watch F2 and has more racing as uh, no driver can drive away like Red Bull uh, or Mercedes. Yeah, and as I said, that's if, like, they're... If you just want a full-on, just the drivers, you know, driver v. driver, then F2 and F3, IndyCar, IndyCar, um, Formula E, you know, there's tons of series out there, uh, but I, I just think F1's beauty is in the fact that it's about the engineering as much as it's about the drivers. And I think, I think just, I'm optimistic that we've, we've got now a situation where things are being put into place to stop the gaps being so big. Um, and I, I'm optimistic, you know, I'm optimistic. Uh, so let's see. So yeah, um, in terms of, I'll jump back into the chat now in a minute and see what everyone's talking about and asking. But just my opinion on Red Bull. Um, obviously, we had uh, Max starting from 15th. Wonderful drive through until the safety car. Um, whether you're a Max fan or not, I think in the same way that I give Hamilton a ton of praise for what he did when he had the fastest car and, you know, in years before that. And the same way Vettel, Alonso, you know, any of these drivers, Russell at the moment, you have to give Verstappen praise for coming through the field, even in the fast car. He did it so quickly. It was five laps, I think, and he was up to fifth, fourth. An incredible drive, uh, kind of what we... This is the thing about Verstappen now. It's kind of getting to the point where you just expect it. It's, again, like Vettel and Hamilton, where you just kind of know they'll come through, which kind of takes the excitement and wonder away from it. But I think he did a, an incredible job. Um... And obviously he was helped out by the safety car, but I think even without the safety car, he would have had 19 seconds, I think, to catch up, 20 seconds, something like that. I think he would have caught the back of uh, Alonso and overtaken him easily by the end. I don't think he was going to catch Checo. Maybe down to, clearly he was having some sort of issue, but I think, I think um, wonderful drive by Max. But I think that, for me, um just shows that Checo as well had a great drive. I mean, he was, you know, absolutely flying um, and showed why he's the king of the street circuits. Um, I think Checo had a deserved win. 
Um, and I think the one good takeaway from this is we saw the Max doing what you'd expect any driver who's a world champion to do when they said, um, you know, we're not worried about the fastest lap. And he said, but I am. I think that's kind of anyone who complained about that, that that's what world champion drivers do. And, you know, if you look back at any of these champions, when they're in a situation where they can win, they will complain, even if they finish second. Um, they're not there to finish second. They're there to finish first, as Ayrton Senna said. Uh, obviously, that's not an exact quote. Um, but yeah, I think the Red Bulls, unfortunately for everyone else, have got easily a second in hand. Um, you know, perhaps over a race distance, more conservatively, six or seven tenths, but it's it's a big distance. So uh, yeah, look, I, I think the other teams can catch up, but I think Red Bull Red Bull's got this. Big time. So let's see what's going on in the chat. Um, let's see. Uh, Jake Fimo says, F2 is better than F1. In terms of just pure, if you want just see who's the better driver, driver on driver action, it does answer those questions. Whereas in F1, um, a video we'll have later this week uh, about driver pairings, I would have liked to see uh, that somebody in chat that I'll, I'll I think we... Uh, I think I have written down to give credit in the in the video. Um, we never get an F one, you know. We we'll never know is is Leclerc actually as good as Verstappen if they're in the same machinery. You know, we can never prove these things. Varun, what I've learned in my two seasons of being in F one is that the championship takes a backseat after like half the season, and what interests me more is to see the underdogs and midfields that they're more neck and neck in the midfields. And it's a fight till the end. Yeah, I think honestly as well, the other thing is, it's in my experience, it's usually a little bit rarer. Now, in saying that, I've been watching since 04, so there's been a lot of fairly dominant seasons in that. But generally speaking, there is one dominant team or driver. And it's, you know, it's just such a beautiful event when we get teams very close. 2010 for me was just exceptional, you know. Um, Basically, uh, was it Vettel wasn't leading the championship until he actually won at the end? Just, just you know, four drivers who could have won the title at the end. That for me is just, just incredible. Henk, if F1 becomes a spec series, it is going the same way as IndyCar, and it was 15 laps used at P5. Thank you for the correction, there, Henk. But yeah, look for me. There's enough spec series out there, so I think look, it's you know, got to take the good with the bad got to take the good with the bad and f1 is unique because it's an engineering series as much as it's a driver series um and this is the downside to doing that you know you're going to have some times where there's going to be a team that just gets everything right and just runs away with it uh Soren, will max be bored not yet i i think max will be bored if he dominates until 26 but right now i don't think so um, and Hank thinks we finally saw the true speed of the Red Bull. I tend to agree. Look, I think there's going to be some tracks where they're going to be held back a little bit because obviously every car has its ups and downs. But I think the thing we saw with the Red Bull last year is it goes well at most tracks. And that's that's the beauty of that car that Adrian Newey is, as, and his team have built is it works so well over so many different, um, so many different tracks. That's what's incredible about it. Um, Jace says, oh, goodness, I am late, but finally got one. Well, welcome. Thanks for being here. And yes, I am super happy that Checo won, obviously, being a Checo fan. 
And I wonder if it could actually be sustained. He doesn't seem to trust Red Bull top tier management. Now, I, I think the problem is, I think Max is going to be quicker over most stints. But realistically, Checo is in a good position because, and I'm fairly sure, and this is going to sound like I'm just repeating things because I'm pretty sure P1 podcast talked about this. I think the BBC talked about this and I'm fairly sure if the race has talked about this. So sorry if this sounds like a repeated talking point, but it's correct. This could be, you know, Checo's Rosberg season. It's very unlikely the chance of it happening, especially now that we've got 22 races in a seat, 23 races in a season. It could be the type of season where, you know, Checo just gets P2, P2, P1 here and there, P2, P2. And if Max has some, some issues, the swing could be huge. But I don't think so. But it would be amazing. Oh, by the way, it's Bimo, not Timo. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Jay London. Uh, the other teams won't catch up. That penalty they got for error testing was a slap on the wrist and they will stop developing the car early on and be dominant next year. Yeah, look, I think they'll have a big decision to make. Um, I think, look, they're in a lucky position that they're so far ahead at the moment that I think they can probably switch to 2024 development in July or June. Um, if it was closer or if Aston's Baku package works and they, you know, big time close up, then it could spell a problem for Red Bull. But I tend to agree that it's probably not going to be a problem. But I think for 2024... Mm, I think the problem is we need these regulations to go a little bit longer, don't we, than 2026. But let's see. Let's see. Jake Fimo uh, or Fimo. <laughs> oh, it's Jake Fimo. Okay, I get what you're saying. 2010 was a great season. Yep, I think so too. It was one of my favorites. FH4, what is your opinion on the new Las Vegas track? I think it's going to be a spectacle, but I think it's going to be very boring, if I'm honest. Andy from Beaverton. Alonso has changed people's attitude about F1 this season. Without FA, all we'd be talking about is Red Bull dominance. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, look, at the end of the day, Aston, for me, gives me a lot of hope that I think, you know, any team can make that big jump under these regulations. And that realistically, you know, there's no reason why McLaren can't do it next year, apart from the fact of McLaren being McLaren. There's no reason why Ferrari can't win a championship other than the fact that Ferrari is Ferrari. And there's no reason reason that, you know, Mercedes can't fight for a championship. Um except for the fact that they just continued to develop a car that clearly wasn't working. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, Chayton asks, was, why was Charles frustrated on the radio when he saw Hamilton ahead? Charles' frustration was about the safety car line, right? Um, you are able to basically go as fast as you want between the safety car line, which is the line between the start of the pit straight and the end of the pit straight. So you could easily catch a second or two there if you just gunned it down that line underneath the safety car. His He was annoyed that his uh, engineer didn't give him um, warning of that and tell him that he had space to run. He probably should have known that anyway. There was, you know, there was no one in front of him. He should have just gunned it there. But I do feel for him that Ferrari just seems a mess, but he was very, very frustrated. Um... What do you take from Hamilton's comment that I don't feel connected to this car and don't get it, says Road John? Um, it's very 2022 vibes for me. That, that for me is just... It, it just seems like Groundhog Day from Mercedes. You know, they thought they had something potential. They were seeing big wins in the wind tunnel. And then they come with a car that's just not that fast. Obviously, last year you could explain it, but... 
Yeah, it just seems like 2022 all over again for me. Um, Jace Bukes says, we need to give the budget cap and facilities of other teams time to catch up and bring the grid closer. And we also need to wait for the skill staff to spread out across all teams. Exactly. It's just unfortunate that, you know, at the end of the day, this only came in in 2021. But I think it'll catch up over time. Definitely. Um, and Hank thinks at Bahrain, the Red Bulls did manage a lot and we didn't see the true pace. I tend to agree with that as well. Banyu says, the thing I hate about Checo's situation is he can't actually fight against management. They will replace him for Max if they feel like he steps out of line because he's a race winner and fast. Yeah, I. it's Max's team, unfortunately, for Checo. And I think the only way Checo can stop it being Max's team, to quote Christian Horner, is the lap times. Um, look, you know, I love Checo, but realistically, at the end of the day as well, if you're the team boss, you're going to give the most support to your fastest driver. Like, you know, unfortunately, it's just, it's a competitive sport and that's the way it is. So I think Checo's doing everything he needs to do, but I think he just needs to basically, you know, do more of what he did in Jeddah, qualify fastest and really be on the back of Max, if not ahead of him. Um, and I think that's just what he needs to do, you know? Um, honestly, I don't like Max's attitude, says Pac, uh, Patrick Kelly. I get the dominant drivers need to piss on their territory. Bottom line is this was Checo Day and Max's dad discussed me. Realistically, look, I, tend, I, I get where you're coming from, Patrick, and I get that opinion. I will say Jos Verstappen is about as terrible a sport as he was a racing driver. But So I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think, honestly, though, is once you put the driver in the car, I think that's just you know, the attitude you're going to get from these drivers. And also, I'd say Max's attitude, to be honest, when he's not in the car in that sort of situation, I tend to think he's a decent, like, he, he tends to be a decent sport. You know, he tends to congratulate Max, be smiley, just be honest about it and say, I'm not happy with second, but you wouldn't expect him to be. So, I don't know. I, I think I've said this before. I tend to take a little bit of a grain of salt around what the drivers say in the car and after the race. So I don't really blame Max for those problems as much as I wouldn't blame Hamilton for certain things he said on the radio in the past. Vettel, Vettel's a great example of certain things. Multi-21, Seb. I, th I think it's just, you know, when you put these these drivers in these positions, it's just the way they're going to be, you know. Um, whereas Jos Verstappen, like I said, is about as good a sport as he is an F1 driver. So it just that was ridiculous, you know. Um, but hey, it is what it is. Varun thinks as long as you poach enough people from Merck, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mega McLaren, <laughs> McLaren can pull off an AMR. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, and Wimbo, do you know WTF happened with Bottas? Um, honestly, not a clue. Not a clue. He pitted a few times. I'm guessing he was having some sort of issues because he pitted a couple of times on the softs. I'm, I'm not really sure. I wasn't following that, but yeah, terrible, terrible race for Bottas. Um, yeah, really, really bad. Um, Jake says everyone loves Papa Checo. Well, no one likes Yoss. That's no coincidence. Yeah, I just, I just thought it was really bad sport from Yoss. You know, like Checo's dad, like celebrates Max constantly. I don't, I don't know. It's just, I think the problem is Yoss is living through his son, right? I think that's, that's what it is really. Um, Ashwin, there seems to be an early sign of Alpine drivers fighting with each other. Uh, they were close, but they didn't, they seem to be fairly respectful. I don't know if there's that sign yet, but, you know, 
It could happen. It could happen. Alpine, for me, uh, this was a race where I expected them to go a little bit better. I think, I think the problem for me is I'm not sure if Alpine just haven't made the jump that I thought their car had or if Mercedes had a particularly good weekend. Um, because realistically, Ferrari were having a terrible weekend. They should have been on the Ferraris, but they weren't. And Mercedes, I thought, I, I thought Mercedes would go well here because of the straight line speed. Um, they went better than I expected, to be honest. I still think they probably, I think Stroll would have passed the two Mercedes. I think that Aston is, is far ahead of the Mercedes at the moment. But yeah, I think Mercedes had a very good weekend, all things considered. Whereas Ferrari had a terrible weekend. It looked like they had to turn their engines down. So I think... I think Ferrari are having some some proper reliability issues once again, which is not a good sign. But yeah, Alpine, I think Alpine are the fifth fastest team. Um, and this should have been a track that suited Alpine as far as I could see, and it didn't. So I don't know what that says. And I think realistically, I think once McLaren get their Baku package together, we could see McLaren Alpine fighting. And I think given the fact that Mercedes are going to switch up concept very shortly, I think they'll switch over to that. And I think we'll see the, you know, from Baku onwards, we could see Alpine, Mercedes and, and um, McLaren fighting. That's just my opinion as uh, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's see what's going on in chat. What, what are people wanting to talk about? Apacheco is so wholesome, says Verhoon. Yeah, definitely. Um, trance. Screw both Yoss and Max. I, I, I don't know. Look, I, I tend to disagree. I think Max is all right, actually. I, the only time I thought Max was a bit out of line was Brazil. But we, we also don't know what goes on behind the scenes, you know. Whereas Yoss, there's no excuse for Yoss. Homeboy RC says no different to what Merck did to Bottas with Checo. That's true, yeah. Um, Soren wonders if Yoss is the actual boss in Red Bull. Yeah, the, the, the Yoss thing has really taken the world by storm here, hasn't it? Uh, I think all of us were looking at it going, what are you doing? Uh, Jake Fimo, uh, Papacheco is so wholesome. Hope he becomes Mexican president so Checo can be minister of defense. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. As a person who lives in Mexico, I don't know if uh, we need, I think it'd be a bit of a, a crazier place even if he was in charge, but he seems like a nice guy. Luke Noonan, what do you think of Russell out qualifying Lewis in all six of the qualifying sessions? Q1, Q2, Q3. All three, I'm guessing you mean. Oh, oh, okay. All six. Bahrain as well. I think Russell is and always has been Mr. Saturday, right? Uh, he's an incredible qualifier. And I do think there is something to be said. I know like, we don't really have, I guess, the data to back it up. But I, I think there is... Um, I think there is something to be said about the fact that perhaps... Russell has a leg up here because he was in a just a terrible Williams for three years. I guess for, for Russell, it's a step up regardless. And for Hamilton, it's a massive step down. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's something mentally about it. Just it's harder to kind of go, oh, I'll have another year of this now. And maybe that just, you know, a lot of these things are mentality. So I don't know if that's on pure talent or if it's just mentality. But Russell, I think, has proven himself to be a very good qualifier the other thing to remember as well is there were tons of times where Bottas outqualified Hamilton. So I would say I think Hamilton's strength is in a Sunday much more than it is on a Saturday. And I think that's always been the case. Um, 
just my opinion, but like Hamilton's a very good qualifier and he tends to pull out some incredible Q3 laps, uh, especially back in the day. But he was not the qualifier that was always on it. You know, like Bottas out-qualified him quite a bit. So, yeah, I think Russell might just be a more consistent qualifier. Um, but it might be too early to tell. It could just be a mentality thing of, you know, he's just not happy with that Mercedes. Um, and as for the Mercedes, this was a good weekend for them. Kind of expected it to be because of their straight line speed. I wasn't, I was a bit pessimistic about their cornering because of the, you know, um, their tire deck and cornering and so on. But I think the thing they had going for them was the fact that Ferrari had it even worse this weekend. So I think Mercedes did a very, very good job but I think it may speak more about how poorly Ferrari were. But the fact that they were clear of the Alpines as well is, is a good sign for Mercedes. It could mean that even between now and when they get their new concept sorted, that there's still enough in there to fight in amongst, you know, be in the top four as opposed to kind of, you know, be the fourth best, but way off the top. But it's only two, two uh, you know, it's only two, two races, isn't it? I guess we'll have to see. Um... Most of these F1 drivers are media manufactured. Yes, man, not like the days of Senna Pross. They, they all have media training, big time homeboys, so they kind of just say a lot. So like I said, like what you see in the car is very raw emotion. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ernesto says, could you see Checo pull a Rosberg? So I touched on that earlier. It could happen, but it would just mean Max would need a lot of, a lot of, uh, of issues on his side of the garage. So... I'm not sure. <laughs> Varun agrees with my Yoss living through Max. Uh, Wimbo says, a video popped up with Yoss congratulating Checo. I retweeted it. Uh, Yoss congratulating Checo. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Um, I didn't see that. Um, I'm just commenting on what I saw uh, when Checo was, you know, with the team afterwards. Um, so that's all I've seen. So perhaps, perhaps, you know, I'll, I'll check the video out afterwards. I just thought it was a bit salty from Yoss at the time. And it was a big talking point. So we had, we had to talk about it. Um, let's see, um, homeboy or see, what are the chances of an Alonso win this year? Look, I think they're high. At the end of the day, a team never gets a perfect weekend. Um, the only downside for the idea of Alonso getting a win this year is the fact that, you know, you need both Checo and Verstappen to have a bad weekend. So I think that could be the case. I think Aston could win at, at Silverstone. Because Checo generally doesn't have great luck at Silverstone, and neither does Max over the last couple of years. So if I had to, if I was a betting man, I'd probably say Alonso might take the win at Silverstone. Um, but that depends on where Mercedes are at by then as well, if they're on the back, you know. Um, but but we'll see. Manio, random thought. Alonso was yeeted into the atmosphere at Coda, pits, finishes in the points. Uh, Lando taps a wall in quality. His entire car is disabled. Is McLaren made out of marshmallows? Yeah, let's let's quickly let's quickly touch on um, on McLaren. What is going on? Because I I watched Bahrain back over the weekend because while I was away, one of the family members hadn't seen it, and then obviously I watched Saudi. So. In both cases, damage and just reliability issues knock them out. Both cases. But they actually don't seem to have horrible pace. Obviously, look, I don't think 
they're not up there with Mercedes and Alpine, I don't think, in terms of pace, in terms of raw pace just yet. But I don't think they're that far off that if they got a good start and a clean race, they couldn't fight. But something... Look, it's only been two races, but I think something's going on at McLaren, but you're right. that It's very odd, because the other thing as well is, remember that Aston was... Alonso was yeeted by, um, by his teammate at... Um, in Bahrain as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with McLaren right now, but they, they just seem to have no luck on top of what's going on. So I, I'm hoping they get a clean weekend in Australia for Piastri's sake and also just just maybe for all of us to get an idea on where they're actually at because they do seem to have solid pace. But there's just, you know, it's reliability one week and then the next week it's damage. So we haven't actually got to see them yet. I think Alpine, we got to see the pace... And it wasn't quite where expected. So I've got, I've still got, a, this is weird. After two races, I've still got a lot of questions about where everyone is, you know. Um, okay, let's see what else everyone's asking. Bata said he had no grip and possibly damaged the underfloor from debris. I think he also had a ru rubbish that had to remove from his side pause, says Mr. Digius. Oh, well, that explains why he was running around at the back then. That would be a perfect explanation because the car wasn't that slow at this track, you know. And Ashwin asked, was it confirmed what was wrong with Lance's car? No, as far as I know, there was no concern just yet. Um, Ro, Ro Jong, I think Yoss has an issue with the team telling Ver to slow down all the time. Um, and, you know, Checo complies, but sees Verstappen drive 32-4. Yeah, look, I just think it is. I think it is what it is, you know. Um, and Boom W says Lewis is up on points. Yeah, I believe so, right? So I think Lewis is... Um, up the drive standings. I think Lewis Lewis is ahead of Russell by two points. Yeah, look, like I said, I think that at the end of the day, I think at the moment, the way I'd call it personally is um is that I think Russell is just doing a better job on more Saturdays, but Hamilton seems fairly consistent on the Sundays. But I think I don't want to take away Russell's weekend because he he drove incredibly uh yesterday given where that car is. Um uh, but you know that the fact that Hamilton came through as well speaks a lot about him. I think Mercedes are doing what they did last year. It seems very 2022 for me. They've got a terrible car, but they're they're making the most of it while they can. You know, so they're 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 there when Ferrari has issues. They're there when Lance Stroll drops out. You know, they're putting themselves as far forward as possible. That's what when another team has issues, you know, they're right there. So I think Mercedes are doing everything they need to. Um. Crown Vixen V8 says, do you watch uh, Connor Moore's F1 impersonations? Honestly, I love them. Not just because he's Irish, but also he's just brilliant. Um, I love his golf ones as well. He's so good, man. He's so good. I, I've asked him to come on the podcast, but I haven't got a response yet. But he is a huge creator and he's on TV all the time. So he's probably, probably busy. Um, and Mike G, anyone else getting 2016 vibes with Max and Checo? Yeah, we, we discussed that a couple of times so far. Um... I wonder if Russell will be a team owner in the future. Who knows? Yeah, Russell does seem like the type of guy who'd own a team. Uh, thank you for that, Saren. And Jake Fimo asks, do I watch uh, Rocket Powered Mohawk? Uh, or do I know him? No, I don't know him, but I, I do watch his videos. He's a funny guy. He's, I like his videos. It's just, I'm not surprised he's got such huge growth, you know? And Varun says, to note it down, Alonso to win at Silverstone. P P195, or I, PI95, um, if Red Bull fixes reliability issues quickly, um, then I can only see 23 out of 23 wins for them. 
like I get that, but I just I can't see a team winning twenty three races out of twenty three races. I've just never ever. I'm trying to think of a single situation where a team has ever had a perfect season, and I just can't see it happen. But now that Checo and 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 Max are quite close, you know, like even in twenty sixteen, both drivers on it, we didn't see that. You know, so I just I I think there'll be something in there. Um, let's see. Do you think that this race has shown Mercedes to be faster than Ferrari in race conditions at some tracks? I think at certain tracks, yes, but I do think that Ferrari realistically are a faster team. I think Ferrari are, are the third fastest and quite close to Aston on general pace. But from everything I heard, Ferrari precautionary had to turn their engine back down again, um, similar to what they did last year. And I think that's what caused them the problems this weekend. That's what I've heard. Whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. Carlos Sainz also talked about tire deg. I think Ferrari, unfortunately, I think Ferrari has the faster car, but I think Mercedes are just doing what Mercedes do and just, you know, playing everything right. Um, so, yeah, I think Ferrari just being Ferrari more than Mercedes being faster in general. But I think there will be certain tracks where Mercedes will be faster, definitely. Also, you know, I think Mercedes are bringing a new package for Imola. Um, we know they're bringing a new package for Imola. We, it's not going to be the new concept. So unless they scrap that to work on a new concept, we'll have to see. Ashwin, is Oscar Piastri new Lando? I mean, he seems to be performing better. Not sure if it's a car or a driver. Look, I think at the end of the day, they both had a terrible race. But the good news for McLaren is that realistically, Oscar was a very, very, very close to Norris. I think Bahrain was just an unfortunate. He had issues there. Um, I think we'll see at... Um, if they get a clean race in Australia. But I think, I think. look, at the end of the day, I don't think he's the new Lando. I still think Lando's going to be faster over a season, but it is promising that Oscar does seem to be quite close at this stage. And I think if that is the case over the next few races after they get their upgrade and so on, I think it's really looking good for McLaren for 2024. But it's all about the car. It is all about the car. And Soren says McLaren isn't running their actual 2023 car. Yeah, that is something to keep in mind. Um, it won't be until Baku, I believe, that they're bringing um, the car that they actually worked on um, for the rest of last year. Uh, they switched off, I think, in September uh, is what I've heard uh, from a couple of people I spoke to. So if that is the case, that's a lot of development on the table. So if the Baku package comes and it's immediately... Uh, where it needs to be, uh, McLaren could be could be back on track from Baku onwards. Um, but I hope they have something to show in Australia for Piastri's sake. Um, Mad Crabber, what is your take on Alfa Romeo and Joe's uh, and Joe this season? Is he better than Bottas? Honestly, I think Joe is doing fantastically well. I think Bottas still has him a little bit, but I don't think there's much between it. I, I think Joe is doing quite well. I, honestly, though, if I'm honest, I need to have a closer look at those two because I don't know about everyone else, but is it just me or have Haas and have Haas and Alfa Romeo been the two teams this year that I've kind of not paid any attention to? I just I haven't seen them kind of meh. Alpha Tauri as well, I guess. But, you know, as, as I said today, Alpha Tauri are uh, obviously too busy sharing their wind tunnel with Red Bull. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention, but I think Joe's doing a good job. I would say Bottas, from what I have seen, has been better, but I haven't watched it enough, to be honest. Varun Mishra. Yoss is like 
that one guy I'm in a, in a party who makes noise complaints if his song doesn't get played. There's a lot of has hate or a hoss hate here, not has. Sorry, yoss hate here. Um, so yeah, the Raptor fourteen asks, uh, do you reckon that Hamilton is going to retire in the next two years? I think if I think he'll give them twenty twenty four. I think in 2024, if they come with a car that is the very least second fastest or competitive for wins, I think he'll stick around for 2025. I think if in 2024, they come with a car that's a repeat of this season, because this season feels very 2022 to me. I think if they come with a car exactly like this year, next year, I I could see him retire at the end of 2024. Um... Well, I think if they come with a competitive car next year, I could see him sticking around till 26 and seeing how those regs go. But hard to say. Hard to say. When do the teams get to work on their engines if they're not all reliable between seasons, Varun? Uh, so, Varun, the teams can work on the engines for pure reliability at any point over the season. The problem is these upgrades take a lot of time. And also, because of the engine restrictions, the engines have to be homologated, first of all. So I'm not sure how long the homologation process works, but I think they can only bring the reliability upgrades twice per year. So one at the start and one halfway through, I think it is. Don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure, but they can fix reliability whenever they want. The problem is that the engines need to be homologated. So I don't know how long that takes. There's probably someone else to, to answer that better than me, but they're allowed to work on reliability changes. They're just not allowed to increase performance um, over the course of now until 26. Um, missing monkeys found that Jake shaved today. Uh, if Liam Lawson wins Super Formula and Ayumu Iwasa wins Formula Two, uh, who do you think they choose at Alpha Tauri? Um, well, you can definitely check any F2 and F3 coverage at our Wheel Sports feeder channel, which is in the link in the description below. Um, I think Liam Lawson, from a Red Bull standpoint, gets to shout first. Um, because realistically, the separation of Honda and AlphaTauri over the next couple of years as we go towards 2026 means that Honda don't have as big a say, which I think would lean on Iwasa more. So I think they'd prefer to bring Lee Nelson in. If AlphaTauri does go down the route of maybe selling to Honda, which I think is becoming less and less likely, then obviously it'd be Iwasa. But I think it's Liam Lawson, realistically. It would be my point of view. Um, Banyo, what are your thoughts on France Tost being dissatisfied with his engineers saying he doesn't trust them anymore? It's a big shout out. It's a big shout out. And I think it's showing that Jody Egerton is making some very poor decisions. Um, And unfortunately, as I said in today's video, I think that realistically it's a case of they, they very much need to lean on those Red Bull parts more and more. You know, they should really just be taking Haas's example for the moment. You know, I think Jody needs to swallow his pride and just say, look, you know, we're not winning. So you know, let's use our advantage here of having access to all these Red Bull parts. Um, I, th- I think it's a big telling sign. The problem is the fact that he said that and there's all this uprest, I could see the team being sold. I just, the more I think about Alpha Tauri, the more I think that Red Bull just doesn't need them anymore. I know they're saying they're going to keep the team. Well, I think another team or two are going to join F1 in 25 anyway. We'll we'll hear about that in June, I reckon. At which point, the team will be worth even less money. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just... 
it's very so something very odd going on at AlphaTauri at the moment, and it's not that they're sharing their wind tunnel with Red Bull. It's just I think it's it's time that they maybe switch up and change over. Um, Griggsy, Gregsy, do you think Hamilton will go to Alonso after Fernando finally retires, or will he seek other options? Toto said he wants uh, eighth title and needs to be selfish if Mercedes don't perform. Yeah, like the problem I see it is I just think realistically he's not going to go anywhere <sighs> he's not going to go to Aston after Fernando retires because Fernando's not going to retire until at least the end of 2025 so he can't go to Aston because you know Stroll has that seat would they replace Alonso with Hamilton perhaps Aston would English driver English team seven-time world champion maybe but then you have to ask I mean why replace Alonso he's doing a stellar job and I think Alonso is willing to stick around till he's 50. So I don't know if Hamilton can go to, to Aston. I just think if he's not going to win at Mercedes, the only place I see him going is Ferrari just to get that out of his system because he's not going to go to Red Bull. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I, just, I can see Hamilton retiring before he goes to another team unless he does that Ferrari jump, which I think is unlikely as well. You know, Wimbo is making a video about AlphaTauri. And if you haven't, you should definitely check out Wimbo Formula One here on YouTube. Fantastic Dutch creator who is a friend of the channel. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that AlphaTauri video. Um, I think Haas is looking a bit... Haas and AlphaTauri, Alfa Romeo, sorry for me, are just the two teams that seem to be nowhere at the moment. I haven't, I haven't seen much from them, so... I don't know. I don't know. Um... Let's see. Do buyer teams trust the Ferrari power unit? It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I don't think they have any choice at the moment. Alfa Romeo is going to stick with Ferrari until 2026 anyway because they'll why switch you know, before getting the Audi power unit. And Haas is so embedded with Ferrari that realistically they're not going anywhere. So realistically, sorry, and I don't think it matters. You know? Um, and user asks, do you think there are tracks that the Aston could match or at least get close to Red Bull? Uh, who do you think would come out on top between Max and Fernando if the cars are close? I think Max would still come out on top, but I think Ferrari or Fernando would give him one hell of a run. It would be my opinion. In reality, though, um, I think there will be tracks later in the season. Also, as we've already discussed, at some point... And I think very early, Red Bull will ditch development and start working on 2024. I think by mid-season, they'll, they'll switch over, at which point we might see the Aston close up big time. Um, so I think later in the season, definitely, I could see Aston getting closer and closer. So yeah, definitely check out Wimbo's channel. Varun is interested in AlphaTauri stuff as well. John Benoit, do you think George will get a win this year? If so, where do you think Lewis will compare in that race? I think George or Lewis could get a win this year. The problem they have, though, is they need not only the Red Bulls to fall apart, they also need Ferrari to be having a bad race, which is kind of a guarantee anyway, so maybe not big of a deal. But they also need Aston not to have a great weekend because realistically, Aston are the second fastest car at the moment, as far as I can see from the last two tracks. And on top of that, you know, Aston have a solid development plan going forward where Mercedes now need to switch focus. So I think the problem for Mercedes to win a race this year is they're not only looking at Red Bull having a poor weekend and Ferrari having a poor weekend. They're also now looking at Aston having a poor weekend. So I think it's going to be tough. 
for Mercedes to win a race this year. And personally, I think Mercedes need to not focus on winning a race this year. They need to focus on winning, a, you know, that I personally, I genuinely think if Mercedes have any chance of winning the title in 2024, they should do what I just don't think they're going to do, which is just give up on this season and go all in on 2024. Um, but if they push for wins this year, I don't know. I think it could be George or Lewis. It's a toss up, but I think, you know, I don't know. I think, I think they need to focus on 2024. Patrick Diekman, um says Avatari should sell to Andretti or Porsche. Uh, yeah, I think to Porsche would be a better idea. Um, Andretti Porsche, that was my opinion, but Andretti have obviously entered to become a new team. So I think if Andretti don't get through, then that's the ideal idea, isn't it really? And Varun says, I personally am liking the addition of Burley Coll Bernie Collins in the commentary on Sky. Me too. Honestly, I, I think really, really good. And not just because she's Irish. Um, Jay London reckons uh, Hamilton will stay at Merkel Retire. I tend to think the same. I think the only, only other option would be he has a fling at, at Ferrari for a year. But I think that is unlikely, even though I kind of think that's the only other option. Um, it's not fair showing up King Lewis. <laughs> Herman, why didn't Russell let Hamilton pass? Not fair showing up Ken Lewis like this. Russell was the fastest car this weekend. I think there's, there's not really much more to say on it, you know? I think Lewis understands that. Um, it's just the way it is. All teams drove fairly well on the smooth Corniche circuit. Yep, definitely. And Jake Fimo, if Alpha Terry decides to sell, who would you like to see by the team? Personally, Honda, Honda or Porsche, I think is the best one. As Varun says, maybe Porsche. Uh, Minardi should buy it, thinks Herman. That would be hilarious. And Edith, the wife, uh, saying hello. <laughs> Hola. Um, recently discovered your content, says Yell, Yele, or Jele. Sorry, pronouncing that wrong. Very high quality amongst everything there is to check. Keep it up. You deserve some more love. Thank you very much. Uh, the tosser sarcasm. <laughs> love it. Um, Herman, the tosser. Sorry. <laughs> Don't think that Andretti and Cadillac would buy it. No, I think, I think Andretti and Cadillac are going to make their own separate entry. I think that's what they're building up for. Porsche joining would be interesting, um, because I'd like to see Audi and Porsche compete, but I don't think Porsche is going to buy a team that is in any way behind, uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber because, you know, I just don't think it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, and Hank thinks Porsche has no business in F1. Uh, they don't want to build a PU, so what's the point? Yeah, basically, they're not looking to build a power unit, so so why why join? It is a fair point. Um, thoughts on the solo American? He seemed to struggle quite a bit um, in quality, but put in a decent fight in the race, albeit for the back of the grid. I am very impressed by Loki Sarge. I think he's doing a fantastic job. And honestly, you know he's showing how quick he is. And I think at the end of the day, the fact that he's doing this in his second race, bodes well for him by the end of the season. So I'm really, really impressed by both Williams, Logan Sargent, Williams and Logan Sargent at the moment. I think it was unfortunate for Albon to have those brake issues. Williams really, really impressive. And uh, I think, you know, it's just a fantastic, a fantastic run by him. Um, so well done. Meli Alves, Salutas saludos desde Mexico. Hola, como estas? Um, so, yeah. Uh, Bernie Collins. Yeah, Bernie Collins was just amazing. 
And will Red Bull powertrains be good? And how will drivers adapt to turbo, turbo lag coming with the new engines in 26? Yeah, Gracie, it's going to be an interesting one to see where the engines are. I think it's a big unknown, isn't it? It's the first time we've had a big engine change since 2014. Uh, you know, Mercedes could be piling all their energy into a new engine for 2026. Of course, there's the engine cap as well, which is going to help. The V6 unit's not really changing, so it's all really around who gets the hybrid right, which means that Audi could come flying out the gates, especially because they're not focused on their current engines. So that could give them a leg up. Ferrari, given its hybrid units, I don't think are going to be as powerful straight out of the gate. It's going to be an interesting one. And Varun says tequila, of course. Sargent versus Piastri is the next rivalry. It started back in carts and now is in F1. Jake says, honestly, I am super, super impressed by Sargent. And uh, I think Piastri had a good showing as well. Um, so uh, I'll leave this with just <laughs> the thoughts from John Benoit. Asking, I see that you're impressed by the new Williams. So what's your take on McLaren looking like the 2019 Williams? The new Williams is very, very, very impressive. And I think that Logan Sargent is very impressive as well. What I will say is that the thing about McLaren is I want to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because the pace, when they're not crashing or having reliability issues, does look decent, as I said earlier. And the fact that they switched, if it is true, from what I've heard, that they switched off development in September of their 2024 car that we're currently seeing, or at least the bodywork, then I realistically need to see what the design was from September through to February or through to March even on what they're building for Baku. I really want to see what that changes before I comment on them because it does make sense that if they switched off in September, they've left a lot of development time on the table. So you'd kind of expect them to be down the order by a big amount. So I think it's all to play for, for McLaren coming into Baku. Unfortunately, guys, uh, I have to kind of leave it there. Please do subscribe and subscribe to our Wheel Sports Feeder channel in um, the below. Thank you very much, John. Uh, glad that you enjoy the channel. And, you know, to all of you who join these live streams, we will be doing more of them. I'll be back with some more live streams on Friday, even though there isn't um, any free practice. I'm going to try and do Mondays and Fridays from now on whenever possible. And uh, I really, really appreciate you all being here. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, I do agree with Crown Vicks and VH that Logie Sarge should be given all of the best work or look, sorry, um, because he's been doing a stellar job. Thank you so much, guys, for joining. Uh, do please subscribe and we will see you soon. Um, and oh, please, please do go and follow Wheel Sports Podcast on uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This one will be live later on today or tomorrow. Thanks so much, guys. As always, love you all. Bye-bye. Tipsy Pineapple, where are you coming in at the end? Thanks for joining. Bye, guys.